Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Paddock Pass podcast, Paddock Note Show from day one at the uh, the first ever Indian Grand Prix. Uh, my name is Neil Morrison. I am not in India. I am coming at you live from uh, the comfort of my own apartment in Barcelona. But I'm delighted to say that we do have feet on the ground. Mr. Adam Wheeler is uh, live. He's with us from the Boot International Circuit. Hello, Adam. Hey guys, how you doing? I hope you can hear me okay, because the uh, Wi-Fi seems to be all right here in the media center, um, but I cannot be too sure. Okay, and I'm also delighted to say David Emmett joins us from, I think, somewhere in the Netherlands. Yes, somewhere in the Netherlands, where um, out of solidarity with the heavy rain that the uh, Indian circuit saw earlier, we've had heavy rain all day. <laughs> yes, a bit of a step down from uh, from your trip in um, Italy recently, Dave. Adam, obviously, we want to come to you. Uh, so much talks around in the the build up to this Grand Prix was a lot of drama around visas, whether people could get into the country, could actually get on their flights, leaving Europe. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your experience getting to India and, and how was that for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, no, I didn't have much hassle. Uh, I got my visa about 24 hours before I was due to fly. I mean, that's kind of fine. Uh, certainly in the case of, well, comparative examples, if you take Mark Marquez, for example, um, you know, it's like probably the most high profile individual in this paddock. Uh, you know, he had visa issues. He had to fly last night. So that would be Wednesday evening. He arrived here Thursday morning, scrapped most of his media obligations. Um, I actually passed him in the pit lane after he'd been walking the track by himself uh, because, you know, he just had to have a look at the place. He'd done some bizarre um, promo event with a cricketer. There's been lots of cricketers walking around uh, the Bud International Circuit this afternoon where he climbed onto an old um, motorcycle with a sidecar and took this guy who has 27 million followers apparently on Instagram for a lap. But, um, you know, during the press conference, he was looking like a guy that spent all day traveling um, and hasn't had a great deal of sleep. But uh, no, I mean, it was okay getting here. And like I said, there was quite a, there was quite a lot of hysteria about uh, getting to this Grand Prix. And I think we just have to remember that this is the first time, um, not only for Dorna working with this promotional group, but also the organizational parties involved. Uh, you know, it's uh, and since I've arrived here, I've actually been just quite impressed by how slick the whole thing looks. Um, you know, there was some kind of talk that the Bud International Circuit was kind of had been neglected was sort of decrepit but uh you know it's looking really in tip-top shape it has to be said um, so i mean like dave you mentioned the rainfall and there was like a very brief heavy shower that coated this place um, but since then kind of sapang style it disappeared there was blue skies again and things started drying up can you tell us a little bit about what your accommodation's like is it a is it a crazy trip into the uh into the track uh, in the morning times like uh, i've heard a couple of people mention that the traffic's pretty crazy but um you know what, what's it been like from that point of view yeah i'm staying about an hour away from the circuit which is a little further than some of the teams um, that are staying in the greater noida region which is just up the road probably about 20 30 minutes away but i'm a little bit further i opted for like um, a sheraton hotel kind of uh, on the premise that kind of established accommodation would be a bit, little bit more secure just for the, the brief days that I'm here working. Um, I know there's some of our colleagues who have had problems with booking and reservations in smaller independent hotels that have suddenly realized that there's a, a pretty important sporting event happening and they'll probably hike their prices and mess a few people around. But yeah, I mean, it's a real sort on the senses. Uh, I mean, I got into Delhi at just after midnight and getting to the hotel was a half an hour journey that my taxi driver said would normally take over an hour just to the traffic. And uh, yeah, the motorways and the roads are free for uh, They're really, you know, there's a constant 
crescendo of um, car horns and bike horns beeping their way, um, everyone fighting for space. It's quite crazy. I mean, some of the scenes that people who have traveled to the likes of Thailand and Indonesia will have witnessed before, but it feels a lot more intense. And, um, you know, as we know from India, the extreme between intense sort of poverty um, and some affluence is was also in evidence. It's, uh, you know, the journey from my hotel to the circuit, like I said, is almost an hour. And just the, the extremes that you see, sometimes even with a couple of hundred meters is, is quite, uh, you know, stuck. I would say one thing that is very true that we'd heard about prior to this Grand Prix is the sheer volume of motorcycles on the road. Um, it's, it's crazy. And you see all, all kind of types, you know, from sort of sports bikes to kind of uh, mopeds from the 60s that look like they're barely staying together. Uh, families, you know, I, I was a bit troubled this morning when I saw um, a helmetless father uh, with his wife behind him on, on the motorcycle. And in between them was like uh, what I can only describe as a baby still drinking from a bottle of milk. Um, so that was uh, a little bit disconcerting, but um, yeah, big, big, big motorcycle um, way of life here. Uh, the other extreme is the heat. Um, what's the, I mean, when you just look at the temperatures, I mean, it's like 32, 33 degrees, which sounds, you know, you know, warm, but not that bad, but it's the humidity, isn't it? Yeah, the humidity, Dave, and when I walked into the track, which was about 11.30 this morning, I think it was nearly 37 and it felt a lot more oppressive than Sepang. Um, you know, I haven't been in the worst of Buriram, but uh, yeah, it, it did feel suffocatingly hot. So much so that we were asking some of the riders about how they deal with the warm weather and the conditions. I mean, Luca Marini was talking about this, just saying, you know, it makes such a big difference when you're riding out front by yourself and you have clean air. Uh, not only for the effects on the motorcycle, but for, for the physical side of it. Uh, and it's going to be something that I think we'll see affect both the sprint and the Grand Prix on Sunday, even though the weather forecast is due to be hot, but not ridiculously so. I guess two big concerns coming into this race weekend. One was the visas, whether everyone would get their visas and be able to arrive. Just from what you've heard, Dave or Adam at the track, all riders in all classes have made it to India. Is that that's confirmed? I think we're missing Sam Lowe's. I think there was a complication with the status of his British passport. Um, I'm not too sure of the official reason for that, but I don't think Sam made the journey. Um, there's a couple of other people as well in the same boat. But um, I think the main complication has just been the late arrival of staff. But uh, from what I've seen and heard in the paddock, there's no great omissions so far. Uh uh, I think I saw a social media post with Sam on an airplane uh, or at an airport. So uh, he's trying to chance. make it. Yeah, exactly. So he'll probably get there at some point. And I guess another thing was the the condition, the state of the track. Um, there were concerns from MotoGP riders coming into this event that um, there were a few sections on the track that were a little dangerous and were making them a little nervous. But certainly. Listening to some of the debriefs that you'd sent on earlier, Ad, um, the perception from the riders that have walked the track at least was was pretty positive. Yeah, there were a few comments about the proximity of the walls um, and a couple of the corners, but nothing that has any of the riders raised in their hands in alarm. I mean, I think they're due to have a safety commission meeting this evening uh, on a Thursday, which is unusual because it's usually on a Friday. But um, apart from that, I think the general consensus is that people are impressed with the track. Uh, the layout is certainly something different to the norm. I mean, we must remember there's a Tilke circuit, as we discussed in the podcast this week, that was designed primarily for cars. 
And um, I mean, Paul Spargo was saying from his walk around the circuit that a lot of the corners have an open entry. You know, there's not many with a blind kind of entry like you would see at, say, Portimao. And that's also, you know, creating, I think, quite a bit of um, anticipation amongst the riders about what they're going to be facing. Of course, the state of the asphalt is something that's really up for debate. Um, Alessia Spargaro was saying he has two uh, ex-Ferrari mechanics in his team as part of his setup, and they were working here um, in the three years that Formula One visited, but that was 10 years ago. And at that time, they said that um, the Bud International Circuit was one of the grippiest circuits on Formula One. But uh, of course, you know, that, that reference is now so old. Who knows what really it's going to be like for the measurement? Uh, uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, the, the back straight is very long. I think it's the second longest uh, on the calendar. Uh, but it's, you know, coming out of a really slow corner and then going into uh, what looks like sort of, you know, hard braking. You've got to think that that's going to make it for, make it a proper Ducati track. Yeah, I've just done the RNF Unlock podcast with Miguel Oliveira, and he was a bit blasé about the straight, actually. He said that that slow entry means that the guys are probably not going to be reaching like Brad Binder's all-time speed record uh, compared to, say, Michello, where you're exiting the final corner in third gear and then you're winding the thing up. So I, I, it remains to be seen, Dave, exactly how they split the speed traps there, but I don't think we'll be seeing any sort of major records. Um, it's not very windy around here so that's another factor i don't think is really gonna sort of play a part like we saw in Mizano. and as we've seen you know if you get a tailwind of Mugello, that can have an impact yeah the, i mean the other thing is it is you know you are coming out of slow quarters so it's going to be all about sort of like driving low gears and uh i mean like fabio quattro didn't exactly sound elated by the prospect of, uh, of that back straight <laughs> in the uh, in the press conference yeah, um, listening to what Simon Creafall was saying um, on the MotoGP Live broadcast, he rode the circuit earlier, I think, on a, a, a BMW road bike um, for the GoPro laps that he does before a, an event. And um, he was saying pretty positive those parts of the track that remind him of, um, I think, Magello, he said, Portimao. Um, another part which reminds him of Alton Park as well. There's kind of like a banked, uh, almost 180-degree hairpin um, so it does seem that the track has quite a lot of variety. And, and certainly in the press conference, the riders were saying from what they've seen, it it should be a good motorcycle track. Yeah, Marco Bezzecchi was another one talking about that, just saying that the, the diversity of the, the corners on show um, is something that's getting him excited about this place. Simon was actually one of the first people that I saw when I walked into the paddock and um, brutal was the word that he used to describe the heat. Um, I think Donna wanted him to go and film some section down at Turn 1, and he wasn't particularly looking forward to that um, with, the, with the temperatures that were on at the time. Um, and then, of course, like you say, Neil, he had to do sort of the onboard laps. So, um, yeah, uh, Loris Caporossi, Simon Grafer, you know, I think Alex Hoffman may have been doing some laps as well. Uh, these guys are really sort of finding out what, um, you know, BIC, if we can call it that, uh, Bud International Circuit is uh, really like for a bike. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty great that... Um... Sounds like everyone's going to be there and we're going to actually see some action on schedule tomorrow because there were times earlier this week that um, that maybe wasn't looking so likely. Um, a few talking points from today, um, Adam and David, just like listening into some of the riders' debriefs. Obviously, it was a, a good chance to speak to certain people about the Mizano test that we had just after the, the San Marino GP. Um, one of the big talking points there was Honda, Yamaha as well. Um, there seems to be a bit of a difference of opinion between the Honda riders, whether they would like to race the kind of 2024 prototype bike in the, the remaining rounds of this year. Um, I think Joanne Mayer said he would like that. Um, Stefan Bradle as well, whereas Mark Marquez, Takanakagami weren't really on board that uh, ship. Um, can you tell us a little bit about 
these kind of conflicting points of view at? Yeah, there's not so many specific details at the moment, but Mark said there is almost like a 50-50 split between him and Tacker and, and Joanne, <coughs> excuse me, um, <clears throat> you know, with regards to the rest of, of, you know, the Honda approach to the new stuff that they've got. Um, just kind of related to that, Neil, it's it's interesting that there's quite a lot of like local media presence. I mean, I think MotoGP coming to Delhi is um, generating quite a bit of hype for the first time. And, you know, most of the, the local journalism or most of the local media's uh, narrative, I guess you could say, is directed towards Mark. I mean, he had most of the questions in the press conference. People want to know what's happening with him in his future. And, um, you know, he was being kind of uh, elusive as, as he's been in recent weeks. Let's not forget that we're less, well, we're just over a week away from Motegi, um, you know, Honda's home round. So I don't think we're going to see any news about Mark and how he views Honda's progress with development of the motorcycle and what, what that means for the future in the next uh, 10 days. But, you know, once Motegi's out of the way, uh, who knows, maybe behind closed doors, you know, Mark isn't even going to say to Honda, listen, this is my viewpoint. Um, here's my reasons for that viewpoint, and then them all know publicly. Yeah, Dave, what, what's your kind of impression? Um, you know, Mark was saying that even if the feelings were better, what he was judging the performance of the the new bike was lap time, and the lap times weren't better. Um, it seems like he's trying to make it as abundantly clear as possible to, to HRC that that wasn't the necessary step that they need. Um, whereas Mir, I guess, is just in such a bind currently that anything different to his current package is, is an improvement. Yeah, I mean, they are looking for two very different things. Like, Mir is just looking for confidence, you know. He's just looking for a feeling that the bike is not going to spit him off at any moment. Uh, so any improvement in feel has got to be good. Whereas, you know, Mark just wants to win races again. That's the only thing that really counts for him. So that's what he's focused on. He's looking for something that'll, that, that will help him go faster. Like he said, he was just looking at lap times. He said the same at the test as well. Like the only thing that he cared about was lap times. That was the only thing that he was looking at. And if the lap times are not, if he's not helping with the lap times, then it's not going to make any difference. Yeah, I mean, he was also saying, Dave, in the press conference that he needs development that brings six, seven tenths a lap, not just a tenth. And, um, you know, I think you, you're spot on there with the estimation about Juan Mir. He, he needs to some sort of progress. But then, you know, Marquez also warned about testing and making judgments on, you know, a track when it's in the fantastic state like it is post-Grand Prix at a test. Uh, you know, I think that's a mistake. Also, Honda have to be wary of the, the direction of feedback they had from Paulo Spargaro, who was very new to the project as well. Um, when Mark was injured and they followed that direction, ultimately it wasn't the best one to, to sort of follow. So it's uh, it's a still kind of like a wilderness factor, I think, for HRC at the moment. Yeah, you, finding six tenths is, I mean, you don't find six tenths in a year unless you, you uh, well, unless your bike is absolutely terrible, unless you you know you really think of uh, you find something new. So it, it's, I mean, you'd have to say things look a little bit bleak for Mark, but we'll see. Yeah. Fabio Quattararo, he'll have a new spoon. Is that likely to uh, see him rise up the order from outside the top 10 to race victories here this weekend, Div? Well, it might help him. Yeah, it, it might help him rise up from outside, just outside the top 10 to just inside the top 10. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it, I mean, yeah, it, look, it, it was the one positive that came out of that test. Um, it helped a little bit. We shall see. Um, uh, I was listening to Simon Crayfire at the beginning, at the, before the broadcast as well, and he he was saying like uh, it looked uh, really quite poor. Or well, you know, things didn't look as bad as um, 
uh, at the test uh, for Yamaha, as they as as Fabio was saying, you know, he's saying that the, the bike does it does look like it has more potential. It was it was performing better, but again, it's really difficult to tell because you know the Yamaha always does well when there's a when there's a lot of grip. I think that's going to be the big question this uh, the, this weekend is. Uh, the, the how the grip level changed over the over the weekend because the track is going to be dirty. Um, we'll start getting to rule over down. We've got some very long sessions. I think it's seventy five minutes for um, uh, for for MotoGP and it's something like forty or fifty minutes for Moto Two and Moto Three. There's almost no break in the action uh, at all because the the first day everyone's going to be spending pretty pretty much every waking moment on the track. That's the real reason you're not here, isn't it, Neil? Because the extended <laughs> sessions for F3, one, you know, Moto two, Moto three, and then you know, going into the second session as well, you just couldn't bring yourself to do it. My official reason, Ed, is that the visa was difficult to get, but if we want to go <laughs> off the record, then that might have had something to do with it. Yes, yes, absolutely. Gents, uh, just wrapping up this show for Thursday. Uh, any indications which uh, manufacturer will kind of adapt to this uh, boot international circuit fastest? I mean, uh, listening to the Ducati riders, the Pirelli riders, even Brad Binder in the press conference today, riding for KTM, they all seemed fairly confident that there were going to be parts of the track that would suit their package. I mean, what, what, what do you think? From my side, I think, yeah, yeah, I think you're looking more at, you know, the KTMs and the Ducatis. I think it's going to be kind of similar. It's nowhere near as extreme as Red Bull Ring. But um, I just think, you know, the the angular nature of the corners, the slightly more stop and go aspect of it compared to, say, um, you know, Silverstone, um, Catalonia, certainly. I think it's going to play a little bit more into that favour. So I think it would also be a measure for a brilliant and how much progress they've managed to do in what, like a month and a half, um, you know, and learning about how to make that RSGP more of a motorcycle that can handle harder acceleration, harder braking. Yeah, I would say that the KTM's the KTM's are good on low grip. The, you know, they're good on stop and go. Uh, we know the Aprilia is good on um, uh, on low grip. We do know about you know that, that it's less of a stop and go bike bike. But I think a lot of it is also going to be about the simulation of the track and the uh, and the preparation. So we know that uh, Ducati are very very good at that. They've got lots and lots of uh, software which help them to simulate. Um, uh, and prepare the bike for uh, for a new track. There, there's normally when you go to a track, when a new track, you know, World Superbikes has been there. Someone's been there before, and someone has got some uh, some data from the track, but nobody's got any data from this track. So I I think that that's going to give Ducatis a little bit of an advantage. Yeah, just from having uh, so many bikes on the grid. Um, okay, gentlemen. Well, that pretty much brings us to an end of our uh, first paddock note show of the weekend. Um, I'd like to to be speaking to you, Ad, um, after all the, the potential drama uh, of this week. I'm glad that you made it to Indian in One Piece. Um, what is on the menu for this evening? Yeah, it's good to see you guys. Um, I'm about to, you know, grab a ride back to my hotel now. And then I'm not too sure because, um, like I was kind of mentioning to you in our chats earlier this week, we're in a country with some amazing food options. But then, also, of course, you don't want to play roulette and try and get um, a deli belly and end up um, having to medicate just to be able to work so i'm um trapped between playing it safe and wanting to sort of indulge in some local cuisine so uh we'll have to see mate i don't know but um it's so far it's it's good to be here there's a real kind of um sapang vibe about the place around the circuit the way that it's been uh tarted up is the wrong word but i don't know just prepared for like you know a grand prix event um you know it's certainly not the the disaster or the um the, the poor kind of preparation that sort of you know people were 
going on about online, you know, in the run up to the event. Yeah, I guess we'll judge by the uh, the enthusiasm in your voice tomorrow how the dining experience went uh, tonight. <laughs> uh, Dave, I guess it's a broche mit cash for you tonight, as always. As, as it happens, I have just uh, less than an hour ago. I had a broche mit cash. Um, however, yes, I would I would be very interested in the um, uh, in the dining options. I do like a little bit of Indian food, but I, I think what I do is you know go go and get some some real Indian food from somewhere, stick it in a in a Tupperware bring it back home where I can eat it in the safety of my own home, uh, uh, you know, not far from medical support. Yeah, and you don't have can to interact just... with people that way as well, Div. Well, yes, yes, very much so. <laughs> can also just point out, um, I had the revelation today that there's actually a Starbucks in a MotoGP paddock, which, you know, is quite staggering. And again, puts me into the um, slightly difficult position of do you go for like an iced latte and take the risk? Or, uh, you know, do you sort of like think, you know, better not? So um, I know a friend of and colleague of ours, Harry Lloyd, um, you know from HRC, has uh, taken the plunge. So he's promised he's going to give me hourly updates on the state of his stomach, and if it's safe, then I think we'll be able to go for a Starbucks, an Indian Starbucks coffee tomorrow. I um I, I actually like coffee, so um, I'm not much of a Starbucks drinker. <laughs> <laughs> when needs must eh? All right. Nice one. Well, Ad, great to hear from you. Great to hear from you as well, Dave. And thanks very much, listener, for listening to this first edition of the Paddock Pass podcast, Paddock Note Show from the Indian GP. This uh, Thursday edition of the show is available to everyone. Um, anyone can listen to this show. But if you want to uh, listen into the editions from Friday, Saturday and Sunday, then you need to go to our Patreon page. That's Patreon forward slash Paddock Pass podcast. Sign up there, become a patron, and you can hear uh, access or you have access to the other shows this weekend. So uh, thanks very much, guys. And uh, until tomorrow, we'll speak again.